0: Wash your body parts better and do not listen to this show. If you can handle it, and I hope you can because there's a great podcast coming up, then please proceed with Podcast of Terror.
1: I'm like, what the fuck? Thank shit. Yeah, so it was like Corey and I, and then we had two guests, and I was like, hey guys, we gotta pause for a second. Uh, sorry. <laughs>
2: it was one of the most real in shows we've ever done, though.
1: It was pretty good. I didn't drink. There was yeah. that. Yeah, so. so well, in, in spite of that. <laughs> trying to figure out when the last time you were here. Have
0: I done this show once or twice? I feel like I've done it twice.
2: I think twice.
1: Twice, yeah. Okay. You, me, and Jack did an episode when Corey was moving.
0: That's right. So uh, we did Boogity and Return of Boogity,
1: didn't we? No, we did Boogity and uh, Halloween H2O. It was supposed to be That's you, me right. and Erica, and then Erica Halloween bailed H2O. last minute. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, that was, uh, that was fantastic. Wow, man. So in a- April 11th, 2017, al- you did Mr. Boogity. Wow! And then ele- Oh, this is your fourth time. We did Young Frankenstein in November of 2017, and then oh, we did. Yeah, October oh of 2018, we did uh, H2O. I completely forgotten that. That is awesome. Me too. Wow! I didn't realize it's been <laughs> over a year since you've been on here. Mm, sad. I mean, well, you've Felt been the busy with my life. With- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's very nice of you to say, but we all know that you're lying. Um. <laughs> busy with the throw bros and stuff i no longer do any sort of intro because i've gotten lazy so the show has officially started yeah that's how he does (laughs) it now the the look of confusion on his face
0: well it was great because of the uh like something happened with the stream of data. Skype just went. Yeah, you froze. And, and you then froze I heard the show starting.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't do an intro anymore. Um, we're, we're oh, okay. just, we're, we're doing it. Um, but I was gonna say that you, you were busy with Throw Bros. Uh, You've started your do. Well, you, you, you wrote Heavy Light. I believe that came out since you were on last. Uh,
0: yeah, um, it was right around the t- last time. I don't know. Well, no, that came out in, that came out in 2017, so mm. I've had it out by then. But, uh, you know, the biggest, yeah, Throwbros is kind of the, the, main, the main side hustle, <laughs> if you want to call it that. Um, but uh, the, the thing that's gotten most of my attention is, uh, like yourself, I'm a, like both of you guys, I'm a podcaster. Uh, if that's the French word of it, it ends in an E-U-R, I believe. <laughs> Podcast- um, a podcastrix. That's what if if I were a lady, I'd be a podcastrix. Uh, but yeah, I, so I do the heavy light podcast, which is a Highland Games podcast, and then I also do kind of my more passion project, E one, which is the Now You Try podcast, and mm-hmm. that is a sustainability, self sufficiency, outdoorsmanship kind of um, podcast. And you know that one that one's more of a like when we feel like getting the right stuff together and finding a cool guest. But the heavy light, um, the Highland Games one is. It's definitely where a lot of the artistic energy goes right now. It is uh, every Tuesday, Friday that comes out on all the platforms, probably every platform, everybody can find you guys as well. And uh, it's great because it's you know it's like any other podcast. In title, it's about the Highland Games, right? Uh, But really, what happens is that it's like one man's descent into madness every Tuesday, Friday. (laughs) Is that just like like I'll spend like the first like this last episode was fantastic because because of all the coronavirus stuff, we bugged out not because of it, but like alongside it, like we bugged out to Oklahoma. The family and I went to a cabin. The last episode that was recorded in the rain on a patio in a cabin in the woods in Oklahoma. And so I spent a good 20 minutes or so, like look through recent results in the Highland games, but like talking about how most of our season is canceled because of COVID and everything. And then I get through the logistics and, uh, but then after that, there's like another 40 minutes where I just kind of, I'm with my own thoughts <laughs> and that's yep. real fucking dangerous or real fucking hilarious sometimes. Like I don't know what I'm going to get. So, um, I was out of the studio, so I didn't have access to my bag of tricks. But uh, Matt, you'll enjoy this as a musician. I also use it as an excuse to just write and put songs at the end of the show. Like, yeah. uh, I'll just, something on topic, like, uh, I'll just, you know, I'll use the stuff I have sitting around, usually just the guitar and voice, or like, and then I'll, you know, I'll do some fun mixing or something like that. And uh, I think one of them was, uh, the, one of the most recent ones was, uh, it was a song called No One Cares. And it was sort of a Calypso song about uh, how little people actually care about how well you, you do in the Highland games and like how everybody gets really mad about it and throws tantrums, but it's actually, no one cares. You know, so it's, it's definitely I put a lot of artistic energy into that right now. So you can tell I'm excited on that one.
1: I, I don't even have words for what you've just said. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking weird. Yeah.
2: I it's what i go for
1: i admittedly yeah, the, the podcast
2: that i do i do a single person podcast for a single person uh that i've joked about a little <laughs> bit on the show but it's actually true it's all legitimate and i think in the last episode i did which is a little too far back now uh, i feel bad about it uh, but um it I, I did describe it as this is just a recording of a a slow moving uh Mental breakdown of a person just watching him fall to fucking pieces, and that, that is that has probably been my entire career in podcasting, anyways. But when it's just me and I have to be the focus of all of it, that's when I really feel it. That's when I know. It's I like hit each
0: episode, each episode is like a data point on the graph of your mental health, basically, and like you can kind of track. So I hope that one day, especially with the Heavy Light podcast, that my kids can go back. And they can see where did it all go wrong, like why, uh, why, why did we stop seeing him before we went to college? Like where did he go? <laughs> we yeah, I try think to that, get through that.
2: Mine is probably going to be how my wife gets power of attorney over me, and just yes, like, good call. He can no longer make his own <laughs> decisions. He's not well. <laughs> Let let's just diaper him up
0: can we pull the plug uh man, he's not even sick uh <laughs> <laughs> he, he has a he has a sore throat we uh there is no actual plug
1: <laughs> so since you mentioned uh the whole coronavirus and shit and that's obviously something that we've been dealing with you were at the arnold and competed to what mm-hmm. 20 people it was 40 asshole it was 40 okay and and i mean and i say that with all due respect because that was one of my favorite things to do was watch the highland games at the arnold so i can only imagine how fucking god-awful that is for you to compete in front of nobody
0: well yeah especially when you're an egomaniac like i am that makes it really tough uh, to not have an audience Say so, what? Who? Um, yeah, but you know what? It actually turned out being cooler than I expected. So we went through this fucking roller coaster thing. You and I talked a little bit because you kind of make that pilgrimage all the time, just yeah. you know, to come see me and Matt and like to just you know enjoy the carnage. Yeah. And uh, but you know, we were kind of in touch about it. But it was originally like we, you know, Throw Bros was uh my company was a sponsor of uh, the Highland Games, the Pro Highland Games group. And we were going to be like, you know, my business partner and I, Aaron, we were going to be on the microphone and like talking to the thousands of people in the crowd and interfacing, you know, doing big up for the brand, all that kind of stuff you're supposed to do. And uh, then all of a sudden we get – after, we, of course, we booked everything and spent all the money that we, we get notification like, oh, they're shutting down the expo. You can't – nothing's going to happen. So we start scrambling, trying to reverse reservations. Then just as we get those reservations reversed, they say, <laughs> well, we're going to let spectators in after all. It's like, ah, okay. So we go back in, get it all done, and then when I'm boarding the plane to leave – we get a notification that says no spectators, only athletes and families are going to be watching. So it's like at this point, fuck it. I'm pot committed, going all in, fine. Um, But when we, you know, the first day I didn't compete. I just, um, we did a lot of video content for the pros. We tried to make the best of it. Because what's the point of going on the microphone when it's just, you know, other athletes and not a big crowd. We still did some, but it was uh we got a lot of video content, supported of the pros. and then uh, but you know, both days, I competed the second day in the lightweight group. And it it sucks not competing in front of like the biggest crowd of your life, like you would be there normally. Um, but it is pretty neat still that you had a pretty supportive crowd of the other sports. Like, you know, we had strongman there, you have Moss wrestling, which is like the wrestling where the two guys are pulling on the stick stick and like, give me the stick. The other guy's like, no, no, I want the stick. And like, uh, that's, you know, uh, that that's, but those, that's a pretty rad community. And, uh, then the second day there was a, there was a jujitsu tournament and there was an IBJJF, IBJJF tournament right next to us. So we're all kind of trading fans back and forth. And it's a real it's real supportive. And uh, the local news came out. I was actually on the news as the uh, talking head guy for Highland Games. So that was really fun. And, uh, you know, the, so there was a crowd. It was probably the kind of crowd we get at like a small Highland Games basically is what it turned out to. So it, it was still pretty fun. But, yeah, it's it certainly does suck to think like, hey, I'm going to go do the thing that I like to do in front of like 20,000 people over the course of an hour or an hour or two. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope. Just gonna, you guys are basically gonna play the back room for your girlfriends. Basically, is what yep. into. Yeah,
2: it, it's it's a lot like being on this show, except for the girlfriends part. Uh, so that's the thing that I've been seeing is like Stephen Colbert and all these late night folks are are now hitting at our level. Uh, like, there's nobody right. involved watching it. Like, fucking vindicated finally. But you might like, show welcome, up on the Ocho. The Ocho is back now, and uh, dude, I've been watching. Saw
1: that, I've been watching the Ocho all day. It's fucking amazing.
2: Yeah, I need to.
0: I I only have a. I have an ESPN streaming subscription. I need to get back on there. What's amazing to me is you're going to see basically everything under the sun, but somehow Highland Games will not be back on there.
1: <laughs> it's
0: the one thing they won't. Like I think they'll probably run one from the like, 1993, the one episode, the one thing they have, and then that's cool. like that's all the footage we got of guys in kilts.
2: We watched the hopscotch competition from uh, Street, uh, Fourth Street down the road, and everything, and just like oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna throw this down and see if anybody can use I bad mean, rhymes during the double dutch and
0: if I can bet on it I'm fucking watching it I mean it's oh. uh, one of my favorite ESPN things is uh they have the na- like the national cornhole championship fuck yeah which, uh, I w- of course it's like you start watching it and you're like ha, that's hilarious but then you're like on the edge of your fucking seat after a while you're like Oh fuck it he's just gonna airmail this one. If he airmails this, they're fucking set. He's right over the <laughs> He's right over the hole, he's set up. If he airmails, he's gonna put that one in. Like it's, it's like it, it it everything turns into an every stupid French sport turned into an intense experience the, for me.
1: There was the one night I because I go up,
0: through the like every go ahead.
1: I was gonna say the one night I ended up watching uh the Cornhole Championship, it was just like on and I was like, "Well, oh, fuck it, cornhole's really funny and I did really good at a work tournament once. I'll watch this. And then it's like 1245 in the morning and I'm like fucking on the edge. of I'm like, my wife is asleep and I'm in bed and I'm like, holy shit. They're just going, they're going airmail for airmail. I don't know what the fuck is going on. The next morning I woke up. I figured out how to Shake become away. Yeah, I'm like, you gotta fucking see this. I figured out how to become a professional cornhole player. I found my region. I thought about it. It's like 20 bucks a year. That's all you have to do to become a professional. And then you just go to the tournaments. I'm fine. Dude, I'm not even kidding.
0: What the fuck are we doing then? Let's we fucking even doing this right now. What the fuck are we doing? Let's go. Dude, me, French fringe sports? You don't have to fucking talk, twist my arm to get me into it. Is it a small enough pond where I can be a big fish? I'm fucking in, dude.
1: If you if you're into <laughs> small ponds, we were watching the Euro Tram Championships. It is Euro tram huh? drivers who go on a course where they the like the fucking Euro trains. So it's, it's like six things. So the first one is they drive a tram, they get up to 35 kilometers per hour, and then they have to stop it as close to the cone as they can without hitting it. They run to another tram, One person... Joe. just wait. It gets better. So one person goes to drive the tram. The other person has to line up a passenger, and it has to be as close to the train without hitting it as possible, and then you get points based on how close it is. You run to another tram, and then you drive that motherfucker as fast as you can, and you hit a big ball in the pins, and then the pins have numbers on them, and then you multiply that by 30 to get your score there, and then you run to another one, and then you have to line up the doors with an arrow... (laughs) And then you run to another one, and then you just have to drive it as fast as you can to get over the, the finish line, and then run and hit a stop sign. That's that's a fucking sport. Sport. It's, so a, it's more of an activity. T-
0: four trains four trains on tracks total is what we're talking about.
1: Uh, yeah, it was like four or five, something like that. It was amazing. That,
0: that's the most extravagant thing I've ever heard in my life. Takes place like, in that Belgium. Is an... Into- just an entire public transport system is just at the mercy of a tram competition. So they're trying to determine the best professional tram engineer? Yep. Or are these guys just specialists that just do the sport? Do they drive trams as their day job?
1: I assumed that, that were, their day job was driving a tram, and then they just got so fucking good at it that the the Belgian people were like, let's make this a sport. That is so, so Belgian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's oh so at 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 seven I think it's seven o'clock tonight is like the Japanese slippery stair cha- championships on the outro. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. If we're not done, I'm just gonna turn it on in here and watch it while we finish this. I see no issue with that whatsoever.
0: <laughs> I know. I was. I was. Oh god, the, I need to get on it, man. So they I showed, need to start I need to start skulking around ESPN now.
1: This whole thing started because the national brat eating championships from 2006 we're on sure and that's it, that was in sheboygan that's where i grew up so like i still lived in sheboygan at the time and i remember everything and i never watched it and my wife is fucking blown away by this thing and i'm like well that's where i'm from um so that then stemmed into an entire day of watching the ocho and then i was like there's tetris championships they had frog jumping championships i think she wants to go to california to watch the frog jump the frog leap championships
0: so that's where they have like actual frogs they bred. Yep. And they place them at a start point. Mm-hmm. And they have to.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wasn't that that was in a that was in a Mark Twain book, wasn't it?
1: Yes, that's where it came from a Mark Twain book. <laughs> they okay. were very proud yeah. of that fact. There's also the cherry pitting uh, uh, excuse me, the cherry pit spitting championships that takes place in Eau Claire, Michigan, Corey.
2: Yep. No, I that one sounded <laughs> familiar. Fuck oh, <laughs>
0: Uh, in several states in Texas, one of them included, they have a cow and buffalo chip throwing competitions that are thrown like a discus. Yep. Uh, they they allow cool. any throwing style you want, but discus tends to be the most successful because <laughs> of the shape of the chip. Yeah. So I found out about that from ESPN once.
2: It's also, it's less funny. offensive to the cow.
0: True. Yeah. The uh, Generally, the Bose genus is much more receptive to traditional track and field than it is other
1: disciplines yeah yeah so do you do you get to it's because
2: they can't roller skate
1: do you get to pick and dry your own but absolutely yes
2: okay
0: yeah you can't bring i believe you can't bring it to the field with you but i think you have to choose one You know, because you don't want somebody like doctoring up their chip and like putting cork in the middle or like put it like waiting, waiting it more, waiting it more would really do it. Like you put like a lead disc in the middle or
1: something. You can't have that. Oh, you've been feeding
2: Bessie ball bearings the whole week. Yeah, yeah, it's just waiting.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. Fringe sports are probably my favorite thing ever.
0: Oh, God. uh, Who are you telling? Right.
1: right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: But yeah, like I, I I really, and I have that gene in my body where anytime I watch one of those, I'm sure every dude does, but like when I watch Cornhole or like yep. Cow Tip Toss, I'm like, I could fucking do that. I bet I could be a fucking pro at that. I bet I could go do that. And like, you know, then you realize like, how much does a Cornhole pro make? Uh, there's like one, there's two guys that make 25 grand every year. Yeah. <laughs> That's
1: pretty much all so, there is. I, I think if you want to be a fringe sport professional, eating is where it's at. Cause like, so for the brat competition, Kobayashi made eight grand for eating fifty-eight brats. Please keep in mind, fifty-eight brats was like seven days worth of sodium, like sixteen thousand calories or something. And like as someone who you definitely take care of yourself, do you really want to stuff that much meat in your mouth?
0: No, I, I don't think I've eaten sixteen thousand calories this entire week. In fact, no, oh, there's know. no no way that I have.
2: I've drank they should, they not, should combine that. And and like do the the brat stuff the brats in your cornhole because that I think is the the competition we're missing out on. I think you do. Th- you just do a butt joke and you just did a butt joke. You did a butt joke. Yeah, I might have. Uh, also, I I like the fact that if in an eating competition you might not make as much money, but you're getting fed the whole time, so that cuts into oh, how much you'd have to spend. But out. think that's going to true.
1: You it's going to ruin yeah, your food this you. cut for two days. But right, but it, you know, like I enjoy brats. I enjoy one brat like once a month. Hmm. If someone's like, yeah, stuff is 60 of these in your mouth for 10 minutes, um, I'm not going to fucking ever want to eat that again.
2: You're like, what is this, prom? <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder
0: if it's, like one of, if it's one of these situations for them, though, where like, you know, like, it's like a gynecologist situation. Like mm-hmm. They see the thing all day at work, mm-hmm. but then they can like compartmentalize and come home and enjoy the, the one at home. That's the symbol that I'm doing. <laughs> um, they can enjoy that. You know, can it? Could you do the same as a brat competition? Could you do that and be like, okay, you know what? I'm just shut my brain off. I chug the water. I eat the brat, and then that's did. But then maybe they can cut into a nice one later. I don't know. Right. That's
1: a really you get good your way quality to play brats.
0: It. Yeah, yeah, like the brat that you picked, not the one, not just one that was out there available in the festival scene. You know,
1: that's a good point. I did eat a uh, cheese curd stuffed brat because Ooh. why not? Yeah, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah.
0: how do you? Why not? Don't, besides yeah, I, 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 <laughs> besides your inevitable slow death on a respirator. Why not?
1: Fuck it, man. Why not? I mean, we're all going out soon anyway. Well, I mean,
0: it looks like we Well, looks like we're all staring down death on a respirator anyway. So, hey,
1: this is the exact reason that I moved to the middle of nowhere.
2: Is so that they can't get you to a hospital in time?
1: Uh, there's a hospital in that. It's like 20 minutes away. Oh. <clears throat> 10 if you're Hope I'm not having connection issues. Uh-oh. I feel like I am. Oh, no. Look at that fucking smolder right there, though.
2: Yeah, seriously. I mean, we can just sit and look at him for the rest yeah. of the show, and that's fine with me. I don't hate it. So why not go
1: for it? Okay, so speaking of coronavirus and dying on a respirator, there are no new Taco Bell items. That was last week. So I do want to talk about NFL free agency this week because that is literally the furthest thing from Corey's vernacular. And I think, Beach, you may have something to weigh in on it. Let's talk about fucking Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers.
0: Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, I just can't believe he switched sports to baseball. It's incredible. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, let, 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 me, let me break your heart a little bit here, Matt. Um, right. I used to be – I used to could talk a lot of football. I was super football fan, probably up until like seven years ago. I was like mo- commissioner of multiple fantasy leagues – Watched every game that I could. Sunday ticket guy. Fucking, I was a Cowboys fan because I was born there, not by choice. Like, all the, I was just, I was in, dude. And then just kind of out of nowhere, over the course of one season, I just stopped. I just don't watch football anymore. I couldn't name anybody that wasn't playing in that time period. I probably couldn't name them or know much about them. I know a little bit of Scuttlebutt because my son's into it. Um, He's eleven. But I'm I'm so off the radar now. I think I think the NFL should do a case study on me, because if they're worried about losing viewers, like they lost a middle class white dude, yep, like from football forever, mm-hmm. like just, who brought in two
2: beers to do a podcast?
0: Yeah, that's right. Exactly. I it's well sad, Corey. I will <laughs> b- drink two beers doing a podcast about a horror movie by disney but i won't i won't sit down on sunday and watch a game anymore why i can't give you a good reason i don't have like a moral reason i don't have like oh it's fucking stupid i don't have anything i just like it just kind of stopped so
1: (laughs) i I don't don't know how to do it and I i don't blame you one bit and by no means am i like a sports guy i literally just thought it would be funny because Corey doesn't talk about sports and normally we talk about taco bell um, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry with Corey. You're the asshole here. So how do, think, <laughs> how do you think about that? It's not the first time I've been called. <laughs> no, an asshole uh, it on the internet. Say, so, <laughs>
0: Did you hear about, like the demands that Brady had when he was talking about getting traded? Did you hear about like this is the one thing I'm kind of in oh. on.
2: Um,
0: he said he wanted control of the roster like or some control of the roster input on the roster. And uh, he wanted to uh, be involved in the play calling.
1: I mean, at the end of the day, it it is fucking Tom Brady. So
0: it is, but uh, you know, here's the ex- here's the grand experiment, right? Here's and this is, you know, I'm I'm in touch enough to know this. The grand experiment is this. I actually think it's not a smart move for what is he, forty two now? Yeah, is that how old he is? Yep. Um, early forties, Tom Brady to not just retire and be the greatest of all time, because now we have a situation where he's going to be removed from Bill Belichick's system. Yep and he's extremely talented i'm not saying he's not but he's going to be removed from bill belichick's system and he might get exposed for being a 42 year old pocket passer in a league that has passed a lot of that by and he could tarnish that legacy of his by going and being vulnerable and getting just being part of a buccaneers team that might get its just it's nuts kicked off yeah. <laughs> in the NFC East or not, the NFC South. Um, you know, like that's a real risk. I don't get it. I don't get why keep going and why risk the uh legacy. If maybe he's just got like a Joe Montana in Kansas City fantasy where he's like, I'm gonna show him that I'm the fucking best no matter where I go.
2: And I think that is a lot of Isn't to that kind of what happened to Jordan too? It, it as far uh, as, when as well. to the wizards. Right. You know. right. Is that he kind of he lost the luster? It wasn't just that he he left the team; it was that he went someplace else and he didn't perform the same level. Like this, excuse my ignorance. As Matt stated, I'm obviously yeah. a big sports head, but <laughs>
1: um, yeah, no, and it's and it's
0: valid. He wasn't like terrible at watching. He just played a different role. Like he was definitely like a more range shooting guard. He wasn't like a you know like an attack. Th- rim kind of guy he was he was a defensive wizard still a wizard but yeah like it it is kind of the same thing i don't think jordan tarnished his legacy as badly though because he was he clearly was like he was part owner or like he was it was he i think he was a part like minority owner at that point of that club and like uh i think it was just like he wanted to go and help and he wanted to develop young players and that was the framing of it and you know so i don't know but Quarterback's a different deal, man. Quarterback of an NFL team is like, you're it.
2: <laughs> what not only <laughs> the blame the most on decorated you, the most decorated quarterback too, mm-hmm. like the the one who's got the most a- rank. Absolutely. Yep. But absolutely. He, yeah.
1: so he was a quarterback for the Patriots, which means he was surrounded by fucking talent. A lot of talent. Now he's one of the Buccaneers where they're not very good and they had a really young quarterback who did fine, but he didn't really have a good season. Uh, so I really think that Beach, I think you're 100% correct, is he's is going to fucking ruin his legacy because he's going to the Buccaneers. They're going to get just hammered. Brady's probably going to get fucking sacked multiple times a game because I don't think the defensive line is anywhere near as good as the Patriots, and that's whatever. For what? Like, just stop and go out. kiss Mouth kiss your kids. It's fine.
2: But does this does this set him up to be the next coach to be the next Belichick, as opposed to like, as he moves his way out of playing the sport, does this set him up to be like, well, I led this team, the Buccaneers, and maybe it doesn't make him the number one team, but maybe he at least improves them quite a few spots on the, on the roster. Is that then going to be where he says, now I can come in and coach and people actually believe in that aspect of it. And it's not just, Oh, he's the pretty face quarterback. Um, but Uh, he's actually leading these things.
0: I think that's a potential angle for sure. I, I would say that uh, that would give you some qualifications, right? To not just be like a great quarterback in a great system and say like, hey, I got play calling and roster responsibilities and I made something out of it. Sure. I think you could do that. But if you notice, there's not like an influx of superstar players that go to coaching. And I think the reasoning is that the money is just not worth it for them. You know, right. like the, when they're out, they're out. And I think like superstar best in the world kind, you know, like the, the, you know, tens of millions of dollar contracts and up. Like they tend, they don't tend to go to coaching later on. You know, um, they, they tend to go to commentating or broadcasting or they just flat out retire or they open a, a I don't know, vegan shoe line or what the fuck <laughs> ever Tom Brady's going to do now. Like I, they, you know what I mean? Like I get what you're saying. He would be set himself up for one. Well, maybe he's going to be a paradigm breaker or whatever, but It just doesn't seem that doesn't the past doesn't show that that's like the the path for guys. like him.
2: Well, but that's what you, I was picking up from what you were saying about what his, his requests were to go to that team is. It sounds more like he wants to be looked at as having that kind of leadership talent as opposed to, and and which is obviously the quarterback has a leadership talent too, but how he wants to kind of leverage that into something more. And, and that could still go to commentating, but I don't know. It just, it, the way that you made it sound, it seemed like that makes more sense as a path to me.
0: Maybe he wants to be a GM. Maybe he wants to be right. like you know more of a front office, like player, like you know, like football operations GM kind of guy too. And maybe yeah. that's more what he's looking to do. He doesn't want to be on the field, you know, the fucking headset
2: on. And could what you imagine, gonna make his, what's going to make Go his wife happy too? Because you know that she's obviously got to be at a point where they could. Both be retired and sitting pretty for a long time, literally, uh, be okay. And like, where did she want them to settle down? And how does this factor into to their relationship?
0: Yeah, that's true. That, that's true. You know, they've those two just have a lot of tough decisions ahead of them. I know, and I really feel for them.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Those kids have been struggling so hard for so long.
0: I, I just, just hope they can find their way in this world. You know, I, I, I'm pulling for them. I, I, I love a good underdog story.
2: It'll be interesting and, and to see. And that's really what this whole conversation was about: was for me to show Matt up and say, "Hey, fuck you! I know all about this stuff."
0: Oh, I know. <laughs> you picked like the one, Matt. You picked the one where both of us can actually be like, you know, actually, actually.
1: <laughs> it also shows how little I actually pay attention to football because the only thing that I could mention <laughs> was the fact, like, the biggest football news that happened, and, and there's nothing else happening. So if you pay any sort of attention to any sort of sport. When no one is fucking playing, that is the one thing that to take away from it is the fact that Brady left the Patriots.
0: Well, it's about looking smart, not being smart, Matt, and I think you've nailed that down.
1: Thank you very much. <laughs> that is how I've gotten to where I've gotten in my life. Uh, just say a lot also, of big Matt, words and talk in circles.
2: Matt, just I know they give that, you know, that the big Taco Bell news is this process. week. Go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say the big Taco Bell news this week is that they're offering free delivery through Grubhub. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So you know what's really (laughs) exciting is the fact that Grubhub, there are five restaurants that now deliver to my house. No one has ever delivered to my house before because we live so far. Simultaneously? Maybe. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. But no one has ever delivered to my house before because we live so far outside of town. Now five of them do. We're living in the future, guys.
0: It's like The Bachelor, but for food. It really like is. They're, they're going com- to compete for y'all's affections out there in the sticks.
1: I'm going to order from all five of them and the first four to show up get a rose. <laughs> get a
0: rose. No, a cheese curd kielbasa. Yeah. Yes. A cheese curd.
2: That's gonna, he says that out loud and that's going to stop people from coming anywhere near his house. Will
1: you accept my cheese stuffed meat stick, please? <laughs> hey, sir, just take your nachos, please.
2: And we're not living in the future. We're living in the dystopian future. The person who brings your, your Grubhub food is going to be Kevin Costner, and he's just going to show up in a duster and just like with a shotgun on his back. Nice. No. It, yeah, fuck that. Uh, well,
0: you know, the great thing about Kevin Costner is, though, depending on which Kevin Costner movie you pick, that whole scenario is way different. Like, if, like yeah? Like, w- Waterworld's <laughs> Kevin Costner? That'd be cool if he showed <laughs> up. What about like uh, Bull Durham? Kevin Costner? That'd be fucking cool. He'd probably, he'd probably want. He'd a, a share abroad with you. He would. Yeah. I just watched Bull Durham the other night, too, with my wife. Fuck, what a great movie, dude. God, that movie is, you rank that very squarely under movies that would not get a green light at all from any studio now. Just, hey, what are they going to do? I'm just going to fucking talk philosophically about baseball, and then it's going to be shitty minor league footage. Oh, yeah, for sure. Let's put $7 million in
1: that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck. What the fuck we? Um, no chance. I did. Right <clears throat> did you see the the video that Simon Pegg and Nick Frost did for what is currently happening in our world? No, it's so it's the conversation that they have about what they're going to do with the zombie apocalypse, and then there's I I can't specifically remember the joke that they made, but when that movie came out, it was acceptable and now it is not acceptable so in this video that they made about covid they like explain how well back in the, you know when, when this came out in the first place this was okay and now it's a little off color and like i think it's fucking weird um think of any movie like any of the adam Sandler movies even i watched idiocracy for the first time in a while uh, earlier this week yeah. none of that shit would fly anymore like, it's unfortunate that we've now gotten to that point, but I'm really happy to have come up with movies where they would make a lot of off-color remarks, and it just didn't fucking matter.
0: Yeah, And uh, you know, the biggest one that always sticks out to me now especially in my generation, is uh, how casual joking about being gay was. Mm-hmm. Or like saying like a fairy or things yep. like that. Like yep. that was much more – just much more part of the vernacular and much more accepted. And like that's – I think I'm OK with the change overall. I think less marginalized people is probably good. Um, but it, it is kind of strange. It wouldn't fly now. And the other thing, I guess more what I was thinking with Bull Durham was – like, you know the you know the saying like in movies talk is cheap mm-hmm. like and literally for directors like you know you, it's just costs less money to have dialogue instead of fucking effects and big shots and stuff like that. and um, it's definitely one of those movies and though you don't get a lot of those from big studios anymore. It's just you know the 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 algorithm for how to make a billion dollars on a movie does not involve fucking sitting around a dining room table talking about shit for the most part, it does not. and um, right. it, it was I was just thinking about it that way it, it was like this magic combination. Of them – of like kind of the um, objectification of women, um, general like dude kind of a fucking locker room humor, um, and then just straight dialogue and like boring travel – like travelogue and like baseball chat, like high-minded baseball. It just would never fucking get done because like, oh, that will make – that'll make $70 over a weekend in 2020 Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's got all the things from the eighties and nineties that we could get away with, I guess.
2: Uh, The other thing is the nineties really gave us dialogue, heavy movies that the dialogue was so good that it's hard to keep up with something like that. If you have a room of, of sitting around talking heads kind of thing and they're not talking with a Kevin Smith dialogue for comedy or a Quentin Tarantino dialogue for that kind of dramatic, Kind of mob hipster feel, or or Scorsese, you know, going back to even Goodfellas, when you get those those would be mobsters sitting there and talking, and so much of that is like the the inside baseball of mob stuff. It is that that's the thing. Yeah. Is like if you've got people just sitting around talking and it's not fantastic, then we really pick up on it fast, and our expectations are a lot higher. You know what
0: my theory is about that is I just came up with. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, the what was cool about movies like that, like uh, Bull Durham is a good example in the baseball world. And, uh, you know, Goodfellas is a great example. There's – you could point to other Scorsese movies as well. But, um, you know, the ones that you gave the example of is, is they're kind of in that era – they're blowing the lid off something that people find fascinating and interesting because the directors and the writers went into those worlds and kind of dug out. Even the actors used to do it. That was how we got this whole myth of you know, the, the method actor, the Pacinos and people like that, that live and go into it, that dig in and blow the lid off of that so we can – because you always heard about the mob. But you had no idea like what the mob structure was. And Goodfellas literally tells you, like, you know, here's like a here's a here's a boss, here's a maid guy, here's a capo, here's a lieutenant, like all that kind of stuff. It blows the lid off. It I think that blowing the lid off doesn't happen in the movies anymore because of the advent of the age of information, because mm-hmm. of internet, because of you know the availability of information that now I think spectacle moves more to the front. And that uh, spectacle and social commentary are still all – those are always going to be big. But there is no like, oh, that's what it's like on the bus in a minor league baseball team? Like, you know what I mean? Like, because I think you, you, you've seen it a lot, and the lid's been blown on a lot of
2: these situations. I think the last example that I can think of was probably the social network. Mm. You, know, you got yeah. Aaron Sorkin's dialogue, and something as fascinating as the the weird robot kid who created Facebook – and how he has disdain for the rest of humanity. It's just yeah. like... And it, it, there's there's no factualness to it at all, but it doesn't matter because it's like, yeah, but I can believe that that is what Zuckerberg is like. And yeah, and it, and it kind of blows well the lid off
0: the tech world. Yeah. It blows the lid off the tech world, like that tech... Um, the venture capital venture tech world that exists out there like because that's what was like we just got past the dot-com bubble 10 years before and like that was still a mystery it's like how the fuck do you build an app and make a billion dollars and then that finally kind of showed you through fiction, through a you know dramatic you know uh, historical fiction let's call it you know an approach to this how are we gonna hey matt what's your are you formulating the tie-in to bright of boogity yet or
1: no we eventually when <laughs> this winds down we'll just say hey let's talk about bright of boogity
2: <laughs> <laughs> fucking brilliant so Beach have you seen either <laughs> okay. of the documentaries about the fire festival Ooh.
0: no I have not I'm very aware of the guy that was ready to suck dick I, I know yeah. all the you know I know the memes but I've so never actually real quick before
1: ne- I never saw it before we get too far away Corey and we can talk about the guy who's going to suck dick shortly but I just wanted to say the whole fact that the internet everything's so readily available kind of ties into the fringe sport stuff that we were talking about earlier Any sort of fringe sport um, coverage you see is like pre-2010, 2012, when Facebook kind of blew up and everything, and it just stopped fucking being, because I don't need to watch ESPN to watch Highland Games. I can just watch Mike Beach do the Highland Games on his Instagram, Um, which which is great and also terrible, because now the wall is fucking down, so... To kind of illustrate how we got to this point, how I became friends with you and Matt, I met Matt on a street in Ohio at the Arnold, and then I was just like, fuck it. I got too drunk one night. I'll message him on Instagram, and then he came on the show, and then we kept talking, and then I became friends with you, and now we're here. Pre-2010, that never would have happened, so I think there's – and and that's the thing where people – a famous person makes a comment, and then you have the backlash of 80,000 people – that all plays into where we're at, and and it's it's both good and bad. Like it's really nice that I can just go on the internet and see what is happening worldwide with what is currently happening. But ignorance is fucking bliss, and I don't necessarily need to understand. Like I don't want to know what's going on in Italy because it is terrible and sad, and it's it's soul crushing because that could start to happen here. So it's like it's almost better to just not know because I can't. Well,
0: it's also a, It's also sixteen thousand miles away, and at a certain point, you know, like. It's much more worth your energy to worry about what's happening in your community.
1: Yes, but not you everyone know, When can... you're talking
0: about a global pandemic, I understand. There's a certain level of you know insulation that's important. But like, yeah, it's probably more important to know what's going on, I don't know, within five miles of me.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's more important for me to understand what is happening in my state than what is happening in Italy. Because yeah. not only is my state closer to me or my county, but certain people don't compartmentalize correctly. And I'm not saying that's a bad yeah. thing. I'm just saying... Like I don't know, there, there's some certain amount of uh, uh, fuck. It. I'll I'll deal with it when it becomes a problem. So someone my wife works with, she works for a worldwide company with a fuckload of people. So uh, this is like two people removed, but the guy emailed her his team and said like, "Oh, I'm having all these symptoms, and they're the symptoms." And she had seen someone who had who works with this guy. So there was like a twelve-hour period where she was like, "Well, fuck, like." Did I touch, you know, the person who would have been in contact with him? Like, do we have to worry about this? And then the next day he was like, oh, my doctor told me not to worry about it. But I couldn't be like, don't worry about it until it's time for something. Like, don't worry about it until we have to worry about it. It's just, that's kind of how everything is. And it's like, you see what's going on, like you said, 16,000 miles away and people get really bent out of shape. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be concerned or act on it. I'm just saying like, maybe don't worry too much until it's something to actually be worried about.
0: Well I think the and the word that I really that sticks out to me is like actionable data is what's important. Yes. You know getting information that says like hey wearing a mask in crowds or keeping a social distance from people is showing that it actually works that's what you need to do. Okay mm-hmm. that's actionable. You're telling me here's what I can do. I will take that action. I will do it. I will take that recommendation because you're smarter, wiser, more well researched than I am. Yep. But me choosing to just worry does nothing, and that's right. that is a that's a unique problem that some people and some personality types have, is that they they expend energy energy through worry. That's not my personality type. Sounds like it's not yours either. Right? Um, you know, but some people they expend their energy through worry and kind of playing out scenarios in their head and trying to, like, worry is like an attempt to control the future. I think in some ways. And, like, thinking that, like, if I remain stressed about it, that means I'm going to be vigilant. And I think that can be – those can get very quickly crossed up. I think vigilance is great. I think worry and anxiety sometimes sneak in the door with it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm the guy that you're talking about. I have compound anxiety. <laughs> uh, it basically, oh, there you go. It anxiety from a bunch of different things, and they all come together, and they twist around, and it's like a big fucking twizzler of, uh, of anxiety that's going right up my butthole. <laughs> but I, I completely agree with you, which is the fact is that while we we can have empathy for Italy, we can have empathy for China, we can't personally do anything about it. What we can do is we can learn from it. it it's the unfortunate thing is that we don't have that point right now where a lot of us feel that we're getting the best information because mm-hmm. of things like Facebook, because people just like see a story, click a story, share a story, and and maybe never even actually read the story to to find and verify the sources of it. And they're just like building this whole fucking rollerball of anxiety for everybody else with a, a whole bunch of false information. And so it's like, there are the people who are, Oh, I'm freaked out all the time. I'm, I'm always up at like level orange. Yeah. And then there are other people who are like, this is all bullshit. And they're just trying to manipulate to feel this way. So I'm going to react the opposite of what they're asking me to do. And it's, it's this middle area for a lot of us. It's like, I have to look out for myself. I have to look out for my family and the people around me, in my community. Like you said, you have to think locally first, but we still have to get that information globally to be able to utilize it locally. And if we don't trust the information that we're getting globally, like the problem with China is the fact that China was lying to their own people about it. So they they screwed it up from the very beginning but we're at a very heavy distrust of the media here in the United States right now. And and for the last Mm -hmm. 10 years or so, at least that I can think of. And it's pretty bad that you don't trust the people who are the only ones who can really feed you that information. So then you do go online and you do say, well, because of the, this great mediator of like, I can talk to somebody across the country and listen to them. That's good. But again, only if that source is verifiable. And if it's just some rando, who's like a bunch of conspiracy groups lined up and like grabbing every single thing and sending it out then that's not the person you want to listen to but it's harder for you to know than it is for these big organizations who have to build a state of trust with people first to start giving you all that stuff you know you you have to kind of go with the fact that it's illegal for people to just or at least it used to be kind of illegal and definitely immoral for a news person to just say shit off the top of their heads or scream fire in a theater and, and like that kind of stuff is it's a it's hit a gray area. And so who do you trust now? That's where well, it gets I'm really concerned. that
0: that trust got that trust got broken, like you said. I mean, I think uh, the, you know several events you can point to in our Western history that that kind of broken that trust in the past couple of decades in the past couple of generations. Um, but you know, as you're saying that, the big thing that sticks out to me is the thing I'm most thankful for is during my education, the not just the ability to think critically, but the ability to be able to look at a source or look at information and view that critically and vet that information. I think that's something that is, I'm thankful I've just, I had the opportunity that I had, you know, the privilege in life to have the education that I had. I think if anything that we come away with this is that, yes, it would be great if school could be more uniform, less about, you know, less about standardized testing and more about that critical thinking, but I mean, a, as we raise a new generation of humans, and as we build social networks with people across the world, just doing the best we can to reinforce that kind of thinking is really all that's going to save us. Mm-hmm. Because it's, you know, until you have people that can that can click and view and consume content beyond their most based desires and give and their most based urges, which can be, you know, fear, greed, lust, anxiety, until people can consume content based on things other than that, we're going to be in trouble. But if you can get a generation of people that can just say like, Hey, you know, I noticed that the guy that published that article actually works for the industry that says it's okay. Like, you know, like, yeah. like learning, like learning little stuff like that. Like, Hey, you know, that guy that said that uh smoke won't kill you. He, he actually works for uh, the, the, the cigarette company. That's, that seems strange, mm-hmm. you know, like, so I think the more of that we can do, and that's why I, I'm a big proponent of, again, I start with my, I'm going to give that to my family. I'm going to give that to my people. And then if my, if they interact with the kids and the families around them and they spread that outwards and we spread that outwards to the concentric circle of people, we well, have if it gets out to my whole neighborhood, that's another win. If it gets out to my city, if like a hundred more people start thinking that way or living that way or think that's a cool way to be, that's another win. That's a, that's all you can do. You can't post a status. You can't tweet about it unless you're, you know, got a huge platform. I guess you can make a difference. You can't make a sixty second Instagram video to do it. It starts literally like where you're sitting within the radius of you to other
1: people, yeah. which is, you know, currently now what, six feet. Yeah. Yeah. No closer <laughs> yeah. then.
2: Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and but that's that's also the the problem that I have is that I have been friends with incredibly intelligent people, uh, people that I have a lot of trust in. But it's so easy to say, "Hey, here's this meme that kind of sums up how I feel right now." And whether or not I fact checked it, I just can re-click share it, and I'm I'm boosting this idea. Yep. And it's like, but you're you're my authority for these things. You're the person that I would look to to give me some relevant information, and yeah. when you are the one who's not meeting your and and I. I've definitely done that as well. That's why I kind of hate memes and have developed a, a distrust of social media overall in the last couple of years is because it's so easy to just like click and send, click and send, click and send without thinking about it because it, that's what these things are built on is that we just perpetuate not real conversation, not real intellectual thought, but just keep shoving shit out there. And And how much can we manufacture that people keep clicking through and scrolling and all these things and so it's it's a bummer because these are people that I know and I trust, and if I sat down in a room with them and had a conversation, we would get somewhere. But I'm not oh, sitting yeah. in a room with them, I'm sitting on a screen, and people can say whatever they want in front of a screen and not feel like there's a consequence to it. And what we're feeling right now is the consequence.
0: Well, and content is king, right? And that's, I think, in times like this where there's a fast news cycle and there's a lot of content and there's a lot of info, I think people that create content for a living or a hobby, like yours truly, you have a strong temptation to just keep things pushing out into the ether and keep things going. Mm -hmm. And, but this also, it it made me think, as you were saying that, um, so like Matt, do you think during this whole COVID-19 scare, do you think your social media ingestion, not your participation, but your ingestion of it has gone up, gone down or stayed the same?
1: Um, Oh, man. I, I, I want to say it stayed the same to an extent. Now, I'm working from home, so if I want to disconnect from working briefly, I can get up and just go walk around my house or go talk to my wife. So instead of yeah. sitting in my office and now staring at Facebook to, to pass some time, I'm going and interacting with my wife or just watching TV. But I, I do yeah. know that I am looking at Facebook to try... Um, for the local news sites to see, like, the new COVID numbers and kind of how that's spreading within my state. Um, Not so much nationally, but I'm just waiting to see it kind of level out in my state. Okay,
0: yeah, but I... I would guess, having worked an office job as well, that it's probably lowered by quite a bit <laughs> because when you are in an office, you you rely on it like a, like a crutch, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, like and it, that's the thing; it's it, really it feels more time than you believe.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to say because I don't know. I don't think I left like when I am in the office, I'll leave Facebook up all day, and I'll just but switch right. tabs. Yeah, at home, I don't think I am doing that because. I have a TV next to me. So the room I'm currently sitting in is where I'm also working in. So if I want to not do work, I can just look at this TV and watch a cartoon or a TV show. So I don't need something on a computer screen that is going to disconnect me from work when I can just turn right and watch something new. So I think it's very, very likely that it is lower, but I haven't really thought about it. Um well, and I ask,
0: obviously, yeah, I ask because I've thought about it myself, and um, like, and I've been asking everybody that question lately. Mine, for some reason, I, I can't really, uh, I don't know why it's happened, has gone incredibly down. Now, if you follow me, you'll notice that I'm still putting stuff out, I'm still posting, I'm still doing like stories and stuff like that. Like, I, I make money doing some of this stuff, so I'm going to continue to do that. But my ingestion has gone. R- massively down 75% or more. Like when I'm done with the phone, I put it the fuck down right now. I don't know what it's a, something in this new cycle of the way people are acting. And maybe it, like I've called it out before in my particular industry, like a, in the near the fitness and strength and conditioning industry has been really gross to me. And the way that a lot of people in my network and the people that I'm connected to have acted has just been off putting to me. And that was, this was one of the first times I was like, no, nah, I don't want to fucking do it. I'm I'm done. I don't want to fucking do it. So and that may be just unique to where I sit with my
1: network. I don't know. To to your point, nope. there's um I have been looking to Instagram a lot more because I I don't have a gym to work out in, so I'm trying to find ways to yeah. do the movements with less weight at home and kind of looking for ideas that way. Now, granted, we I've been getting a shitload of emails from, on it and you know um, uh, muscle and fitness and stuff like that that kind of give you things to look at um but yeah. i agree with what you're saying there's also the same stroke where if i go on in, i go on facebook and i see people that are like who was well, fucking august now we're gonna, we're gonna be doing this for the next 18 months and it's just like fucking stop I'm like until someone yeah. of authority says this is going to be a problem for you know uh, nine to 18 months which i'm not saying someone hasn't but i think too often, people see something that isn't legitimate and they take it and they run with it and, and then they just start to spew it on other people. Like I had in our band group text, one of the guys sent me something and it goes, It was a, it was a picture of a text message and it said, Oh, they're, they're rolling the fucking National Guard. We're going to be on martial law. We're all on lockdown. And I said, Until a fucking military uniformed officer shows up at my house, I am not worried about that. I said, You're the third person to send me this exact same text. I do not believe that is fucking true. Earlier today my wife said, Oh yeah, yeah all it's... all of the uniform officers that they're rolling out were for legitimate purposes. They were trying to get something somewhere in a timely fashion, and that's the only reason that uniform officers were involved. Like, yes, what we're dealing with is fucking insane. And it is it is scary and it can be a real, real problem. But a lot of people are doing what yeah, they're supposed to it... do and staying home. Sorry, go
0: yeah. ahead. And 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 it's And no, and it's weird that like that's an outgrowth of boredom of all things that some people like have to create this new narrative. They have to create a story. They have to create a thing that they got the first scoop on that they're into. Like people can't stand more than anything to feel like they're the passive observer in the Godzilla movie. Mm -hmm. Like nobody wants to be that. Like nobody wants to be the one screaming and running. Like they don't think of themselves that way. But statistically, that's what we all fucking are. No matter how important you are in your social media circle, no matter how important you are in your house, whether you're the head of your household or whatever, like we're all statistically average. okay? and nobody wants to think that and nobody wants to be that. They want to think that they have something that somebody else doesn't have or they they know something that somebody else doesn't know. And that's that's what's leading to a lot of the like I mentioned, like the, the ickiness in my circle in this fitness circle is like there's so many people that like the second this takes starts taking over everybody's lives, it, they'll start hawking their fucking supplement that they think is gonna boost your immune system to help you against a fucking virus yep. that they don't understand, and then they're gonna be like, well, and then everybody starts writing and monetizing a fucking workout from home um, plan or something like 7.99 Lincoln Bio, but it's fucking gross, and it's I can say that being 40 years old now and not giving a fuck. Uh, You know, like, I'm not trying to make money as a fitness influencer. I'm not trying to make money as a personal trainer. I don't need like, it's just it's worth it to be in my position and just say it's fucking gross. And stop trying to monetize something that's killing old people and children, please stop it. Like, don't yeah. do that anymore. And it's that same line of thought of, like, they have to have something figured out. That makes them – that validates where they are and what they're doing. Like, and just like the guy, they like, oh, I – you know, I got some friends who are cops and I know what's really going on. No, you fucking don't, dude. You work at Wells Fargo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, it's a really good point though. And, like, um, <clears throat> as, as you mentioned head of household and it's like I feel like my job as head of household and my wife and I are very equal and I never – you know, I'm like, I'm the man, I'm a fucking strong. But it's like, at times where she is panicked or something, I feel it is my job to calm her down, whether that's head of household or just being a fucking decent yeah. husband. Um, and and other than that's that, being like,
0: a spouse, yeah, that's yeah. so being a good spouse, dude. Yeah.
1: And, and and that's all I'm here for. And uh, I'm trying to find the the correct information for the situation and and going from that. Um, I haven't seen any monetized like body weight workouts, but it doesn't shock me one bit that someone is trying to capitalize on that. Uh, I also spend very, very little time. I spend very little time looking at workouts because I'm about the fucking laziest lifter that exists. Uh, you can tell because I'm probably overweight, not probably. I am overweight. Um, (laughs) uh, I just, I fucking, yeah, whatever. I, I fucking, like you said, dude, I'm a normal dude who works in it in the Midwest. I am not a fitness person. I work out to feel a little better. I'm not making money off of this. Yeah.
2: It, but there's yeah. There, there. I talked about this with Levi last night too. It, there is something to be said for that person might be in the same situation as the rest of us, where they're freaked out and they're trying to find their clarity in all of this. And their clarity may be, I do this workout. It makes me feel better, even yeah. if it doesn't do anything. And and that's the thing is you don't make claims of like this is going to change your fucking life. It's going to save you from this virus. But you just say. This is what I'm doing, but this is how I do it. I and if, it, also, if it's your career already that you do sell workout stuff or you do sell supplements and those things, you can't suddenly stop your career in the midst of this. You just have to lead with honesty and, and empathy. I think we talked about that last week, is that if, if you're a person who has a Patreon and that's how you make your living, you can't stop saying, please support my Patreon, but you just have to do something where you say – hey, I recognize that right now is a really hard time for you to support somebody else. Yep. You might be at a point where you need support, and I completely understand that. You know, If you have the ability and you want to help support me during this time, great. And if you can't, I really appreciate all the stuff you've done for me so far, and hopefully when we all get through this, things will start to even out again, and you'll come back to do it again. But we, yeah, we still uh, have to accept that life has to go on, and for a lot of people, life is really scary right now. So the restaurants that are... Not able to employ people and are just doing stuff like pickup and delivery. It's scary for them, mm-hmm. and they're still at least getting to be open, and that could change in a day's notice. You know the the grocery stores that are twenty four hours in my area are now closing at ten o'clock at night, Same here. and it's not that big of a deal to me, but for the people who basically live in the nighttime because they work so far into the day or evening and that's how they they function. It's very difficult and and so i I don't want to demean anybody who's trying to continue their living, just do it with integrity. Because if you don't have integrity, then there's no reason for us to support you in the good times either.
0: Well, and, and that's yeah, the You thing. suck to what you were doing in the first place if you <laughs> don't do it with integrity. And just don't, right. like you're saying, to, to, rejoin, to rejoin with you, Corey, don't, don't capitalize on people's fears. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah. do that. I know people are going to do it, but if you're my friend or somebody I associate with, please don't fucking do it, because we're not going to associate anymore.
2: Yeah, I'm going right. to call you out on it.
1: Yeah, for sure. So you guys want to talk um, about bright uh, booty sh- No, I don't. no, okay. that's,
2: no. Fine. God, Matt, no that's fine. God, no, that's
1: fine. Hey, I-
0: um, you guys, you guys ever shop? You guys ever shop on Wish?
1: <laughs> what <laughs> shop on Wish?
0: Yeah, Wish. Wish the app. It's an. Uh, um, go I'm gonna. I'm the only one with video, so I'm gonna hold this up to the camera oh, right fine. now. Um, I just got an ad for. It took me a while to figure out what it is. If you're not familiar with Wish, I mean, there's definitely an adult theme to a lot of the yes. ads and stuff you get, if you haven't noticed. Um, this appears to be a warm-up bag <laughs> for your balls.
2: <laughs> Which is sometimes it's necessary.
0: Like a, uh, yeah, sometimes. It, and I, I'm looking at it, i like, yeah, I can see the utility for that. But it's like, it's warm-up pant material with drawstrings. And it's like a... You like you remember like in um, what was it? Like the like the that gummy bears cartoon where they would like, <laughs> you know, like the, the bag of whatever they would have, like the fucking drugs they, they would take. The, the, they had the gummy the bears. Yeah, like they would always have it in a little pouch like that, like a little flask. And uh, I feel like that's yeah. what they're selling, but it's, it's your so it's a gummy berry thing. juice. Yeah, for <laughs> too <back
2: holding. laughs> I'm such a
0: fucking loser for knowing what that is. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, see? Yeah. He could have more than his balls in there, right? <laughs>
1: uh, Corey, Levi wants us to make those with the podcast terror logo on them. I'm into <laughs> it. Of course we can. <laughs> yeah. Of course
2: we can. I, I, I regret saying this immediately, but the only person I know who has the talent to actually make stuff like that would be Amy. <laughs> and I don't want to ask Amy to do that.
1: Well, the thing is, is if we can get them print-on-demand, uh, print, print wait, on demand, wait, I can just Corey, get the logo you're the
0: on. guy that just said, in this time of need, you can't fault people for trying to make their living. No, I don't fault okay?
2: Amy if that's what she decides <laughs> so, to do. I don't want to be she the one to, to ask make, her to do that.
0: She wants to make gummy berry, ball, gummy berry juice ball sacks with a podcast of terror logo on it. You can't. Nobody can judge her for Shit.
2: that. No, no, I would never judge her. No, absolutely not. But I'm not bringing that to her doorstep. Yeah, I'm not mentioning <laughs> right. that one either. Maybe just write like
0: an anonymous letter or
2: something. <laughs> it's just nope. That's nope. <laughs> uh, a little too 23 years in prison, Weinstein for me. I don't need
0: that. <laughs> Holy so shit. sorry matt i interrupted you but that ad came up and i just had to, no that's
1: had fine that it, is 100 sure that got into the conversation no, that, was, that was very relevant i i was i thought maybe was now a good time to transition to the movie we don't have to talk about it this movie was not good <laughs> um it was just i felt like it was a formality to have you come back on because we had watched mr, <laughs> mr. boogity and then this one um and then this one yeah yeah
0: You know, okay. here's the thing that I watched um, the majority of this and uh, I can't say that I watched it all because I'm a fundamentally lazy person. You're fine. It's fine. Um, But uh, does anybody else feel like the quality was way better than the original Mr. Boogity? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it was like a like a big step up. Like it was it's still stupid and there's plenty of. Like I can sit there like fucking Tom Servo and rip it apart. Right. But <laughs> I, I, there's, it's like, okay. Yeah. All right. That's, it's moving a little better. Like it's written a little better. Like it shot a little better. Like, it's, it, it was, it's a totally acceptable, like Friday night television fair in 1988 or whatever. <laughs> like, so It, the, it doesn't seem first, so campy.
2: The first Mr. Brookedy was 1986. This one was 1987. Most of the cast okay. returned. They changed the daughter, who was uh, played by Chrissy Swanson in the first one. Yes,
0: uh, which was a big disappointment for me. But Chrissy yeah, Swanson but, was moving on to bigger and better things.
2: And the and the girl that's in this was also in Wishmaster. She's done a lot of stuff. She'd been on a lot of TV. She was on Morgan and Mindy as a regular character for a, oh. a year or two. Uh, so she's great. And uh, the younger son, we went from the kid from Alf to being the kid from Harry and the Hendersons. Uh, so we, it, it, which came out, I think, that same year. But a lot of this was the returning people, and they didn't have to do what they did in the first one, which was establish the family, the characters, the house, all these things, the moving in to That's get true. to understand Boogity. It, But it's also weird because these things appear a year apart on that Wonderful World of Disney show. I don't remember there being a huge push of these on video cassette at that point. So it really was, if you saw it one year, that's probably the only time you saw it because it wasn't a Disney Channel at that time. And then the next year they do a, a a sequel to it and it's like, man, the dedicated fan who watched this last year and is back to watch the sequel now and remembered the whole story from the first one to, to do the second one, that that's a belief system. That is I a... Just, like, I, yes, really it is. And I can't even
0: imagine... It. I can't even imagine that the the, the writer remembered what he wrote. Like, right. he probably had to go back and watch. It was like, what, that fucking thing? That, that was like, you told me I needed to write something by like by April, so I wrote it. What the <laughs> fuck do you want me to write another one for?
2: But he worked with <laughs> enough pros that they kind of came in and remembered their characters and put the same stuff back. You know, that same laugh of the mom over and over again, the dad yes! just being the ridiculous jokester. Yep. I mean, he's from The Thing, you know? he He's done a ton of shit. She's done a ton of stuff. She's on that mom show on CBS now. The... the Eugene Levy, who's a, a master of his craft, obviously. Um, the, the guy from Ghost, who says, you ain't got a body no more. That guy is in this. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's so many people that like they're pros. And uh, it, it worked out. It, 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 I don't know that it's necessarily a great movie, obviously. But it was perfectly in line. And like you said, maybe even a little bit ahead of where the first one was.
0: It did what it was designed to do. Yeah. It, it, it it did all that stuff. And I do agree with you. The exposition was quick, but it was also like quick and effective. Like you could you, like, what's the litmus test for like, uh, you know, a, this kind of sequel. Like, can you watch it without seeing the first one? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. You can, yeah. because they just basically, they, they just retcon or like create a new backstory or a further back backstory. For Mr. Boogie or whatever the what's the what's the what's his actual name? Does anybody remember? Hold on, I'm gonna William... I've got it in front of me here somewhere. But you know, whatever the, the actual guy's name was. Um I can't remember who it was, but like you know, like they, they just create a further back backstory and then just go from there. So high points for me early on in the exposition phase, by the way. Um the name of the city <laughs> Lucifer. Lucifer Falls. Yes. Falls. Little on the nose, but okay. <laughs> it's, I mean it was it was it was we got a pretty good idea. And then everybody's just cool with like, yeah, yeah, that's where we're moving. Well we just got done sucking a ghost into a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Let's move to Lucifer Falls.
1: Well not Great. only that, but the name of the town uh, festival is Lucifest, which is like yeah. something I would expect to see in Norway with a bunch of black metal bands playing. Right. I'd buy a fucking ticket to that, Fuck right? Yeah, I would go all day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Especially if I got to slap a little fake third eye disc on my forehead. Like, a, oh <laughs> my God.
0: With a real third eye. Yeah. That's that, fucking... I mean, but again, actually, that's, that's, that's interesting because I could also see that being a part of a Norwegian uh, black metal festival. Is the, like, you know, get a free third eye Hannah tattoo or something like that. You know, like, it would, it would totally, totally fit in with that. So so there are some tropes in this, though, which, again, we're dealing with Disney movie fair, right? But there are some tropes that. Even while admiring how well put together this was for, you know, a sequel to a pretty terrible, you know, goofy movie, like there's still some tropes that are just like so hard to get past as somebody watching even like silly horror is like that. The daughter is like accosted by the, you know, the Mr. Boogity Ghost on the way back home. And this is like a year later and nobody at the house believes her when she says it.
2: Right. Yeah, you're Like,
0: like yeah what well, he must be histrionics or well Like, it's like that that's that's
2: a little lazy i'm sorry although this is a family that builds their entire relationship off of pulling tricks on each other yeah and she's the yeah. only one who doesn't have that gene it seems like she's the only one who's always rolling her eyes like please stop fucking doing this don't you understand that we almost died and we're gonna die possibly <laughs> this time but everybody else in the family is all full of shit all the time. They're just constantly, like, they do the dribble glass trick to her. They do the black eye thing with the look through the scope to uh, Eugene Levy's character in a store. Like, that, that's yep. what they're built around. So they're skeptics. They're constant skeptics. But they they are skeptics who enjoy the fact that they are they're having to be skeptical. Because they like to be fooled when it works. But they will call you out immediately like, no, you're full of shit. You know, do better next time. <laughs> Try a little harder. Yeah, sure, Dad's floating down the, the hallway. That Who cares? You know, that that's the kind of shit it's like, I get why they don't believe her, but it is very much the trope of a lot of horror movies. Is like, we don't trust the kids. Fuck them. You know, right. two of them could die and we'd still be okay. Nobody would look at us twice.
0: Right, because, yeah, the third one is still probably full of shit, even the other two right. are dead. <laughs> well, and it gets so... You know, like, one of the things, like, I, I've never claimed to be a true horror buff, but one of the things I look for in almost any work and any film, um, and especially in horror, is I like there to be um, elements of the classics, and I like there to be elements of, like, elements of classical drama or, you know, draws on um, literary devices, familiar or complex, whatever, like, to draw on, like, or, to like, you know, like, um, great ones use a lot of times mythology. They'll use, the you know, mythological monsters or reference to them and stuff like that. Um, so you'll see a lot of that classical. But in the in this movie, you can just tell, like, there's no <laughs> there's no foundation from what I can tell. There's no, like, you know, well, this is, there was actually a colonial monster named blah, blah, blah. And, like, we draw our inspiration from that because that can sort of be like an engine that drives your story. I feel like this is, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you guys can set me straight on this. I just feel like this entire fiction, this entire story, has, was just manufactured whole cloth in the theater's room. Does that make any sense, what I'm saying there? That there's no like classical draw here? There's no like, something, they're, the well they're pulling from?
2: Well, the first one was just your classic haunted house story. And, and that's so many different things. You go back to the one that I remember loving as a kid was The Ghost of Mr. Chicken with Don Knotts. <laughs> you know, it, it but it it it's more of a scooby doo thing in that case because it's not actual ghosts. In this, there was a ghost. Disney's going all out and saying we're well, doing that. But that's in line with their doing the the headless horseman, those sorts of things that they've always done. It perfectly goes in line with that because they want to create a character, they want to create a bankable, marketable thing that they can use in their theme parks. If Mr. Boogity had showed up at the haunted mansion at some point you would you would see that working for them. You could see Disney doing that and saying, hey, Mr. Bookerty really took off, and now we're gonna use him in this ride right next to Mr. Toads. You know, Mr. Toads yeah. is not a popular character, uh, to us at least, but it was a big deal enough for them to make a ride around it for a long time because it was something that they created and owned. Disney, for a lot of their stuff, didn't own the things, but they were public domain, they could do it. This is like, we're creating IPs. Until they bought Marvel and Star Wars, that's what they had to do.
0: Right. So, I, and more in reference, like, trying to dig in deeper in that hole, it's like, you know, the classic movie monsters, like, you know, they're all like, you know, your vampire, your Dracula, your Frankenstein, your your mummy. A lot of these are one, they pull on very, very human themes, and that's what makes the original authors, you know, the Sheller, Shelley, and Stoker, and all that. That's what makes them so. Um, th- what makes the original work so good is that they draw on like these very, very human fears and very, very human things that we have found mysterious for thousands of years. And like they often draw on older stories you know, like the, you know, the Dracula draws on Vlad the Impaler and like a lot of that Eastern European mythos around like, you know, blood drinking, like uh, nobility, all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, they, they draw on those things. So they like underneath all that kind of silly movie monster stuff, there is like this undercurrent of things that have actually made people afraid. Monsters take him in the night forever. Like, there's something there. And I think maybe like this, things like Mr. Boogity borrow that a little bit just they, they borrow them the the aesthetic of it but there's no like underlying like here's the theme the like the modus operandi like here's the theme that we want or like we're looking for like you know like the Aztec people believe that blood was the blah 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 you know like there's no uh, there's no underlying thing there and something that disney has done more recently Is that you know, like if you look at movies like Frozen, uh, you look at movies like Moana, you look at a lot of the recent spatter, especially the princess movies. They really do pull on a lot of classical works, you know, Hans Christian Andersen, you know, Polynesian mythology, all this kind of stuff. They really pull heavily on those, and I think that lends like a without you know infringing on copyright, they're still able to get this like sense of weight and heaviness and emotional impact. But like things like this, none of that's there. Like this is just good for like a. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm really digging a hole here, but I know like it just doesn't strike very deeply. And I know it's meant to be silly, but it could. I guess it could do both, but it just feels like this was like man, we're not we got no old stories to go off of here. We're just making this up as we go.
2: But I couldn't <laughs> help thinking as I was watching it how similar it was to two other movies that are much more popular that came after it. And that hmm. was Ghostbusters 2. Which is the one that really stuck out of my head, like the the him coming out of the statue versus Vigo coming out of the painting. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh my God! Yeah, capturing a being, possessing Ray, all that stuff is. This. And then also to a, a high degree, Hocus Pocus. But I think it's more because of the kids fighting against the witches. But that sort of Salem-esque town and and people not believing the children, all that stuff kind of adds up to it. But and and the whole fair being overthrown. And I think in Hocus Pocus they take over like the Halloween festival or whatever. Where all the kids are out trick or treating. Those things were a couple of years to to four or five years after this movie. I, I'm sure that there was other stuff before this that had the same kind of things, but yeah. I, I was really like Ghostbusters two throughout a lot of it. Like this is a little weird.
0: I didn't see that. That's interesting. But yeah, it's definitely a precursor to that, and you know it's worth remembering that the 80s, if you remember, was a high time for the possession aesthetic because yeah. we were in the post exor- post-exorcist world. And yep. that, like, took the world by storm. That shaped a generation of, I think, writers, filmmakers, film buffs, and everything. So, yeah, Ghostbusters 2 is also part of it. Ghostbusters 1 and Ghostbusters 2 are part of that. Like and, that and Ghostbusters Oldergeist 1 heavily. Poltergeist 2. Yeah.
2: 2 had the, the old kind of, not necessarily colonial guy, but the... The fact that there was the older guy the Spirit, that was yeah. yeah that was coming in and and he possesses the dad in that movie uh, th- that was 1986 so that was the year the Boogity came out um, uh-huh. certainly they could have pulled a little bit from that but it's it's still like the themes are not unusual for this kind of story it, it's light fare and again they probably weren't banking on it because they they don't have at that point in time they don't have a, a big video. Market video on demand. At most, you were hoping that these would get replayed on a, on one of the tertiary channels not on an ABC or CBS necessarily. But if you move into like the TBSs or the USA's, which were still popular at that point, maybe you could get it to show up on an HBO every once in a while as a replay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we didn't have the DVDs. We didn't have that kind of stuff. That market where people like buying a VHS tape was something you really wanted because it was eighty bucks.
0: <laughs> God, I remember that too. Like that's like, am I buying the only copy? right <laughs> that's what i remember like having to pay so much for a movie yeah it's uh, you know what led me to think that, that is just like um uh, this is probably a bias in thinking but like even again i have to couch everything because i picked these well matt actually helped pick this one uh, this time this is all his fault but uh, the original boogity idea is my fault that you know these are silly but i kind of use a yardstick of like the more convoluted your solution to for the protagonist ha- protagonist has to be probably the worst the writing is, <laughs> you know? Yep. Like, and I felt like this was really complex. The way they started, the, the way they kind of finished this thing out or the way they started, like all the, like the bodies changing and like, not even a laugh ghost out of things. Like it just like, they were all very, it, it just seems like people were just kind of.
2: Spit-balling
0: and a lot and of how times. all of a
2: sudden it goes from him. Like he shows back up and all he wants is Marion, who we never really see in this at all but we are supposed to believe that the outfit that she wears means that, oh, that must be Mary, and she's wearing the same clothes. Which I assume everybody had that fucking outfit in Boogity's time. Oh, yeah. Like, they, you could not walk across town to, to get a, a fiber of milk it, to, like, not see 1,500 maryans walking around. That's probably what it was. He was obsessed with this girl, and she was everywhere. Because they were all this, these different women that all just looked like her. But so he, he captures the mom <sighs> because she's wearing Marion's outfit, and then gives her bride of Frankenstein hair, which is, again, can, like a ridiculous moment where, like, well, let's just do that because it's bride of something. And then all of a sudden, the daughter's wearing out, it's like, that, oh, you, you must know. be her. It, it's 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 <laughs> overly silly. He was the weakest part of the whole thing. Like, the family stuff, the yeah, the with Eugene Levy's character, like, wanting the town back and everything. Him getting the magic cloak was a little weird and just, like, man- randomly shooting fireballs at things. But it was still, like, all that stuff was actually pretty good. The boogeying stuff was for the most part the weakest portion of this story. To me. Well,
0: maybe that's just a byproduct of you can't maybe it's a byproduct of it because it's like a Disney Channel movie. It can't be that scary. You know, right. like so you kinda he has to have no teeth and he has to be silly. But I don't know. Like I'm sure there's plenty of examples of villains that are are, you know, are supernatural Antagonists that are written in a lighthearted way, but are still not so weak, <laughs> you know, like through uh, in in terms of the narrative, in terms of writing. Like, I, I can't think of one on the top of my head. I mean, I mean, fucking, I mean, Vigo's not that like seriously scary the way he's going back to the Ghostbusters 2 thing. He's really not the scariest villain, but he's put together well. Like it's a thematically he's put together. He's got an aesthetic. He's got a look. He's got a a delivery. He's got methods and everything. I mean, are the methods that scary in the long run? No, it's not like a bloody gory movie or like a, you know, like in in inherently violent film or anything like that. But yeah, it's executed well. But yeah, this is just a, it's a silly villain. But uh, also like there's a lot of convoluted writing to to get the protagonist in his way. I think that's the best right. way they that's what it feels like. I feel like the the writers were trying to just get them somehow in the way of of a villain that they didn't really have a clear like motivation for, other than like, he's spooky.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and how can how can we display his powers without having a, a budget to do that? So the the random, hey, we're going <laughs> to buy this shop because we need to open up our gag store. And as we go into the shop and we open it up, it turns out that it's an old wax museum. So at some point, we can have all these wax museum characters wind around for like three whole minutes. That whole scene of them coming to life and going out in the crowds and, and doing anything to detect people is really over that fast. And then they move along, and they're putting all the, the wax figures back into the store again. It was really it, nothing it, it, other it was than a fact- quick turnaround. Yeah, we can get people who dress up like Dracula and uh, Doctor Jekyll and all these things real easy. That's cheap. We've got those costumes on hand, so that's why they did that.
1: So I think a lot of <clears throat> what could have
2: I, I agree? Been- it's
0: low budget.
1: Yeah, so I think a lot of what could have made Boogity scary was diminished by the f- during the first position of the dad when he would do something and then he would just go Ah, Boogity. So like, and even when Eugene Levy was wearing the cape later and he would like zap someone and he'd just go, ah, boogity. And it's like, so, but it, but it is Disney. So I think it was supposed yeah. to be scary, but not scary at the same time. We did not watch this intending to be scared. Like this was, the, the whole point was just to kind of make fun of this. I didn't think I was, there was going to be any sort of scariness involved.
0: If you were nine years old, do you think you would have been scared by any of it? Fuck
1: Yes. <laughs> the fact that this fucking this this movie specifically a fucking statue broken in half and possessed someone and then sort of flying around I would have been scared.
2: But I think it was around that age yeah, when you know I saw what? uh Saturday the 14th maybe <laughs> around the same age as what I would have been for for the 9 years old to see this. Saturday the 14th was ridiculous. It was a spoof of all these different horror movies. Like they had the creature from the Black Lagoon show up in the girl's bathtub. Uh, just a bunch of weird random creatures in a haunted house scenario. And I remember finding parts of that scary, even though I knew it was a comedy and I knew it was all played for laughs. Mm-hmm. There were still parts where it was like legitimately, yeah, as a kid, not easy to, to like just shrug off.
0: Yeah, I think I was nine nine years old and like 88, 89 at the time this came out, like, you know, just sort of just before. Like, so the version of me that would have been alive when this came out probably would have been freaked out. And if you remember, the reason that I originally called out for us to do Mr. Boogity was – I remember being spooked by the uh, fucking commercials for it. I didn't remember watching it. I know I did, but I just remember being spooked up by the commercials. I mean, I remember uh, Tales from the Crypt or whatever used to come on at yep. night. And it was like, you know, if we had cable in the house, it was like, Nope, kids, go to bed. This is going to freak you out. <laughs> and, and it would have. Tales from the Crypt would have fucking messed me up, I'm sure, if I was watching it at seven or
1: eight years oh, yeah. old. even Tales from the Crypt was now. creepy. Even now. Even now, if I watch it, it's it's not scary, but I can certainly see how it would have been unsettling when it came out.
0: Distur- unsettling is a great word. Yeah, unsettling is the perfect word. It's like oh, well, I've never seen that done on
1: film yeah. before. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, for, I mean,
0: <laughs> that's for a what- new thing for me to deal with.
2: <laughs> uh, uh, what- David Faustino having career for ten years on one show is unsettling oh. after this movie. <laughs>
1: Yes. Tell him your
0: son. You know, it's it's so weird watching kids like seeing a child actor in a small bit part before they became who you know they were. Because you when you, we look at him we see fucking Bud, right? Like right. we yeah. we see Bud Bundy when we see him. But when you're watching him in 1986 to 88 in this role, you had n- like that kid looked like every other fucking kid. <laughs> yeah.
2: <And laughs> just, the fact that they replaced like his like brother. There's no with way kid. to tell
0: that, that was going to become him.
1: And and that's
0: yeah, so I would have not known that I would have not known at that age.
1: No, and, and like so um fuck, Edward Furlong, Terminator 2. Right? <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? But that is who he is to me. So when I say something to someone and I'm like, yeah, I met John Connor from Terminator 2, and like, who is that? I'm like, how the fuck do you not know who that is? <laughs> but it's the same as Bud Bundy and David or Faustino, fast, yeah. and it's like, how do you not know who that is? <sighs>
0: Damn people!
2: Yeah, but it, which it's John? A, yeah, those
0: are like cultural touchstones. yep it's true. There's several John Connors.
2: Yeah, there's The only fact one. that there's two Sarah Connors <laughs> is already messed up enough. That that's that's not cool.
1: Only one John Connor that's dies. That's the series seconds totally into the, new movie.
2: With, by
0: the way, that's a that's a series I after I totally lost contact with, and I I think I'm better for. It. Well, like I think I just like I didn't continue to follow those movies. Let's let's really
1: let's talk about that for a second, because. Oh shit! What? no, 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 oh. no. I, um, I, I what, so what was the last Terminator movie you saw? Um, last
0: Terminator movie I saw was probably <laughs> I think I saw some of
1: Rise of the Machines. <laughs> <laughs> like, Sorry, it yeah, 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 yeah. It, yeah. If you're if you're listening she to this, busted in a door. the door. Paw... Yeah. Beach's I'm daughter just the the like button button just yeah. kicked the door open. She's got a box. She's
0: she does. She, she knew. She heard you say Terminator. She's like, oh, it's me. She's got a box of dominoes <laughs> and a dun, cheese stick dun, dun, in dun. her
1: mouth. Oh, hey, honey, and so there she you goes. Close the door behind you, baby.
0: <laughs> Thank you, sweetheart. That is oh. Leah. That is my youngest, three years old. Is oh. it anybody that had a sa- uh, three-year-old knows? They are absolute savages, and uh. They're living
1: life
0: how we all wish that we lived.
1: The only thing that I own that you is know what I would feel to... like doing? What's that?
0: I feel like playing dominoes and eating a fucking <laughs> cheese stick. So I'm going to go do that wherever the fuck I feel like. Uh, so I, yeah, gonna, I wish my life was that.
1: I was going to say the only thing that is three or more years old in this house is bottles of beer. Because <laughs> I'm an adult. <laughs> Nice, yeah. age
0: them up, buddy. Yeah,
1: no, you know, there's there's a lot of money sitting. I started selling uh, I them think off. I to... saw
0: some.
1: Go ahead. No, I was going to say I started selling uh, some of the ones I knew I wouldn't drink to fund a trip to Denver with my wife, which is now going to get fucking postponed because of COVID. <sighs> Anyways, that's true. Uh, it really is.
0: Uh... That's the that's that's the epicenter.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anyways, what you were going to say? <laughs>
0: My last Terminator movie, I don't. I think, honest to God, the last full Terminator f- film I saw was T two. I've seen part of Rise of the Machines. Yeah, and, and I've seen part of the one where they had a CGI
1: Arnold Salvation? fight himself. I think Salvation. That was the one with uh, yeah. Christian Bale. Was the last complete that I saw. And I think it's okay. Yeah, no, no, you're totally fine. I, I, I'm I, not going to say, like, yeah, you got to watch Dark Fate, but if you were to watch another one, Dark Fate would be the one to watch. I'll just leave it at that.
2: Yeah, I kept trying to watch the one where they went back and, and had Sarah Younger again, because I thought the concept of that was interesting, but I hadn't seen the Christian Bale one. I, I hadn't seen... I, I couldn't tell you a single thing about Part 3 other than the fact that they switched John Connors on it and it had Claire Danes in it. Mm-hmm. I don't know that the franchise is enough for me. I did watch the whole series of the Sarah Connor Chronicles uh, with Lena Headley taking the part. And, and that was at least somewhat interesting to me. I just, I feel like they've tried it so many times going back to that. Well, that it doesn't hold anything for me anymore. It's a
0: little bit of a hiccup there, but I, right. I've got Corey back now.
1: Oh, that's fine. I just wanted to make sure you didn't completely lose us. Um, shit. Um I don't have anything else to say about Mr. Boogity or the Bride of Boogity.
0: Well then you then you need to go back and watch it again. Um speak I for yourself. You I watched the whole through. thing. That's true. <laughs> I haven't even gotten through one entire watching yet. I just kind of sped through the end. I did like, you know, like I was watching it like 1.5 speed. Yeah. And then uh when as I got into the last third, I just started kind of clicking through for the major plot points. <laughs> <laughs> it did one of those. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not fucking, you know, it's not
1: Dune. Like I, <laughs> I don't need, no, no. you know, all the intricacies. No, 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 no. And that's the thing. Like this movie very much was, Hey, we're just going to remind you who everyone is. And then when we get to that point, Mr. Boogie is going to come out of a fucking statue and then he's going to start possessing people and then we're going to wrap it up. But are we, I thought there would be a third <laughs> one. Right. There is not were, a third one.
0: Well there, were there any more Boogity movies?
1: Nope.
0: Ah, so it did not become the bankable commodity like Corey <laughs> was mentioning. Like, no. you know, like maybe what the wish was, yeah, you know, we never saw. So, which, if you're going to Disney World, <laughs> which park would they have put the Mr. Boogity attraction in? I agree, he would have gone to the Haunted House eventually, but let's say that he's like an international smash success. Mr. Boogity fucking storms the world. Internationals like makes in that day and age makes seventy five million dollars or whatever. Um, where in Disney's theme park do you find the Mr. Boogity attraction? Frontierland, right? Future? Yeah, where? Like, where do you find it? Uh,
2: I I think it, during the the Halloween season when they change stuff out and they they uh, bring in new themes for different rides, he would be on a log ride.
0: Log ride. I can see the Tower of Terror. Them doing a themed oh, Tower yeah. of Terror for him.
2: No, that's absolutely yeah, true too.
0: I can see that. Yeah, I can see that one. uh Maybe being like an yeah, like an appearance on the log ride, like the Yeti was for the like one that they like the Abominable Snowman that they did. I can't remember what ride that was, <clears throat> but uh they went with the Abominable Snowman. um Yeah, he'd definitely be. i can't do Magic Kingdom. That was too friendly. Epcot. Um put tomorrow land that's too spacey
2: he would probably it, drive the tram to take you back to your car and then go into a competition on the ocho <laughs> God, damn
0: <laughs> he, he just want to put a bow on it yeah well maybe yeah maybe you would be a great tram driver i mean the thing is we there are great tram drivers living among us and we don't even know it
1: <laughs> just, we guys we could be the next euro tram champions
0: oh god is there a, so it's just it's an individual thing though it's not team
1: it's two it's two people because someone two has people. to set okay. up the passenger and the other has to drive it
0: with the passenger is is it a real person no it's a, fucking, or it's it a like cardboard cutout like, like
1: an official nope Carboard just a cardboard cutout, cutout. and okay. you should have seen these dickheads with the fucking foot that line up their feet and measure from the fucking track it was it was pretty intense
0: Okay. Here's here's. I'm gonna pitch this to you guys. Um, You guys are the drivers. I'm your coach. Uh, um, I'm gonna be honest with myself. I don't think I have what it takes to pirate to to pirate. (laughs) That could be a different sport. (laughs) To to (laughs) to pilot a tram. I don't think. I don't. I don't think I have what it takes. Honestly, I don't. But I see in you guys the potential for greatness and. I think I understand the inner workings of the human mind and the tram itself well enough to be able to coach. It's just not something that I I know that I can't put into action. So I feel like I could put together a winning strategy for you, but you two could be the ones that take us
2: all the way. My grandfather did work for the railroad his entire life.
0: It's in your fucking blood, Corey. It's in your blood. Do either of you have any Belgian ancestors?
1: Not that I know of. I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, let's just see. Do you do you guys like Belgian waffles?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, the
2: only people okay, that don't are communists. It's just as good. It's fine as long as they got cheese curds in them. As
1: long
0: as they have <laughs> a little cheese curd, we we could get Matt. That's how I'm gonna pay Matt
2: in <laughs> any cheese
0: curd related, uh, any cheese curd related thing. Um, so here's the deal. Like we're gonna have to figure out who does what event. Matt, I feel like I feel like. You're, I would leave – I'd leave the precision of the passenger pickup to Corey. I know that much. Yep, However, I, I feel like with the speed test, I feel like you have more of like a cannonball, straightforward, attack it kind of thing. So that's <laughs> going to be your specialty. That <laughs> leaves two events for us to dole out, right? Yeah. I, I – okay. I, yeah. I, I, so you've, what, you've what taken... are the other ones? Like you have to... So there's like a passenger stop and then a speed run. But what are the other two things? One was like
1: bowling. So you had to hit a ball – Hit pins and then you had to stop the tram without hitting the pins physically with the tram.
2: Okay. So basically don't murder passengers, which is one I'm gonna fail at immediately. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'll make it bad. my business to knock people over.
0: Yeah, that's true. And um, what's the other one? Do you remember?
1: Um I remembered a whole lot better before I started drinking. <laughs> um, I'm trying to look up the Euro Tram Championship. The European Tram Driver Championship. There if are this videos has a on Wiki YouTube. Wiki at
2: all is a failing of the internet.
1: No, there are totally videos uh, on the internet. If you're interested, you mispronounce success, Corey.
0: <laughs> um, that's all the internet's for, man. Like all the people say, oh, it's a utility for work. No, no, it's for finding out the rules of obscure, obscure Belgian sports. Yep. <laughs> so we can take an
1: American team and go fuck them all up. So it was in Brussels in 2019. Um... Of course it wasn't fucking Brussels. Oh yeah. Well, okay, so it since 2012. 2012 was in Dresden, which I believe is Germany. Uh it's probably
0: in Belgium. Well, two
1: 2013 was Budapest, 2014 Barcelona, 2015 oh. Vienna.
0: So this oh this is Euro, not just Belgium. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I got it. So
1: twenty sixteen was okay. Berlin, twenty seventeen uh I'm gonna butcher this, but I'm American trash uh t- 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 nerf uh 28 was in stuttgart and 2019 was in brussels they have not announced 2020 okay. yet probably shut down because of corona um when it, i guess just when's the qualifier you know it's, i don't know it doesn't say anything about uh whew. there are videos if you go to tram em.eu
2: that's got the land so we can we can build our own like training course in his backyard, like people build those ninja warrior courses for theirs. Yep.
1: Well that's a really, really good point. Oh, Beat says Dresden is in Germany. So, um, my land has also been offered up for Highland Games activities. So, if you want, you can come train here too. Good.
0: Um, I don't know if it's relevant at all, but I own um, I own four operating trams
2: what?
0: and uh, about three miles of track. I don't know if that's like, going to be
1: useful at all. We'll th- make do. Yeah, can the Throw okay. Bros um, sponsor uh, trams?
0: Absolutely. Can we I just mean, call
1: it the Tram Bros? Tram Bros. <laughs> tram Bros and offshoot of Throw Bros. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, this is the greatest
0: thing. Yeah, this I is, really. Yeah, I, I, I want to make you guys into champions. That's what I want to do. That's fine. We uh, need I we need tram to jerseys to taste, too. I want you guys to taste taste the success. I want you to live the lavish Dionysian lifestyle of a tram champion. I want you guys to taste being at the top of the world and being able to get whatever you want whenever you want it.
2: Well, Dude, it, it's kind the- of that's kind of wasted on me. My mom already tells me that I'm pretty, so Jeez. I'm doing fine.
0: <laughs> I don't need your damn tram <laughs> validation. Just, just,
1: well, here's the thing. <laughs> September 26, 2020 in Romania... Is the, the Euro Tram Driver Championship this year? Okay,
0: got you. So they were, um, they canceled Tram M, whatever it was. This year's championship can't take place on May 9th, right? That was coronavirus. Yeah.
1: The
0: 26th organized the 9th European Tram Driver. They make tram driver into one word. That's how you know it's a real sport. <laughs> tram Driver Championship. We're looking forward to seeing you in Oradia. I yep. don't know where
1: that is. That is uh, Romania. So they so moved it from good. May 9th I- to. September 26th
0: nice I have a friend in Romania that can put us up and can train with us while we're there his name is Stefan yeah Uh, he is a Highland Games champion he beat me in worlds in 2016 he's a a lightweight world world champion so he knows what it what it takes to be a winner I'm gonna put him in charge of your nutrition
1: oh boy um well I hope it involves cheese (laughs)
2: that's all I was waiting for
0: yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a brat heavy. I mean, look, man, this is a Central <laughs> European sport, obviously. Yeah. So there's gonna be a lot of brats. There's gonna be a lot of beer.
1: I'm on board. Um, you said the two magic words. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, I mean, look, you're already living in Minnesota, so you're not really that far off from <laughs> from a yeah. uh, general like East Central European cuisine want, as want, it is. You so you it's already to, all
2: there. You want to fix that? master in the chat says, for branding purposes, we got to get tram stamps.
1: That's fine. Crams. St- oh, my God. I would like yes. to point out that Beach needs to fix his fucking sentence. I live in Wisconsin, not Minnesota.
0: <laughs> oh, sorry. Minnesota, Wisconsin. Sorry. That's, that's, I'm, I do mix those states up a lot of time I know the one has much better weather than the other.
1: Yeah, it must be hard <laughs> living in Oklahoma.
0: <laughs> well, I was in Oklahoma just recently. And that's yes, true. I would, be I, offended. I'm even, I would be offended by that as I'm well. I'm <laughs> even drinking a beer
1: from probably not far from where you live. What is it? Weathered souls in San Antonio. I know it's not far from where you live.
0: No, it's not. That's like two hours away. Yeah. I grew up in San Antonio.
1: And you can't even remember what the fucking state I live in. That's true.
2: In well, state in, of inebriation. In brain,
0: Wisconsin, but. That's true. Hey, hey. hey. Uh, yeah. And in my brain, it was Wisconsin, but it came out Minnesota. <laughs> but it's one of those cold I'm, states.
1: Really? Yeah. I say I'm not. I'm not that offended. Um. <laughs> with that. I know you have children to get into bed and shows to plug, and I need to go back to my couch.
0: You mean you need to get back to tram practice? Because that's where we're headed now.
1: Uh, I've, but, you know, without even saying, I have purchased Tram Simulator 2020 on uh, my computer, and I will be going straight to tram training. Okay,
0: this. good. Just remember that um, Tram Simulator 2020, they've got that issue with the braking not being really um, accurate. So if you, if you, for the braking applications, go to 2019 and just like fire that up. Or there's a patch available where you can kind of uh, patch back to the 2019 braking system until they <laughs> get that fixed. Jesus
2: Christ! <laughs> let's be clear. The only real training uh, is tram training.
1: Correct. Correct. Thank you. Oh. fuck yeah whatever (laughs) beach what do you want to promote or don't promote i don't really care anymore
2: (laughs) yeah be be aware that you you'd call people out for trying to promote shit during this pandemic so uh good luck hey hey, buy my fucking
0: workout program and here's all the supplements (laughs) i'm into Uh, yeah um i don't know and you know the one thing of my four appearances that i can always count on is that the deeper into the episode you go the heavier matt's apathy gets
1: yep it's always great yep (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's always so reliable. Like I don't know, it's whatever you want to fucking do. I don't know.
1: Uh, I don't even care anymore. <laughs> I
0: don't even care. You guys just just fucking make out with a stuffed animal or something if you want to. I'll just sit here. Um <laughs> i mean i have stuffed animals within arm's reach so it wouldn't be that hard uh no hey look if you uh, if you care about the highland games want to learn more about it uh find throw bros on social media go to throwbros.com you can see what kind of stuff we have for sale um if you are a podcast listener like you're a podcast listener here obviously if you're hearing this you are a podcast listener at least one uh check out the heavy light podcast like i said it's about highland games but in name only it's mostly about you know, like like Cornya talked about the slow descent into madness and uh, insight into the human condition through the lens of a uh, kilted sports. God, I need to write that fucking down. <laughs> That's not good. Um, also also check out uh, the Now You Try podcast and then find me on Instagram, Mike Beach, Beach with two E's, and um, send me a message and I'll send you a little uh, I'll send you the emoji back, the little smooching emoji, maybe a peach.
2: And also the new Twitter handle, Trambrose.
0: Tr- Trambros, yeah, we're we're gonna be building that account up. Uh, website is forthcoming. Uh, we will be releasing a COVID nineteen tram training program that you can do while Ooh, you're at home. Fuck um, we will have lots of. Um, generally, we like to do nootrop- nootropics as our supplements, so you'll be seeing a line of tram pilot tram engineer nootropics that will help you focus on the task at hand that will help you with your passenger pickup so uh keep keep locked in on all those accounts for uh tram
2: supplements and at-home tram workouts huh god damn it the next time we have you on we either have to do snow piercer or train to busan
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes we do (laughs) Uh, just roll it into a new episode. Uh, I like it.
1: Well, Corey, you're on the hook to remember that because I'm not going to. Cor- uh, Corey, what do you want to push her?
0: Yeah, oh, reliable. Yeah, just apathetic. <laughs> Till the end, like comes in charging hard, but at the end, he's like, "Just you know what? I'm going to sell my computer. You guys just figure out how you want to do this next. I'm going to mail in my. I'm going to mail in the next episode written." <laughs>
1: Um, oh, Matthew. What's, you know, five years of doing this and I start off real gung-ho and shit's going to get done. And then I get a, a couple cans of giggle juice in me and it's all over.
0: Yep. You are, you're, you're chipper to the extreme when we start. But by the end, <laughs> you know, the <laughs> brain sloshing around in that skull. and
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the best description <laughs> of how my brain operates is it starts off real firm and it's just mush by the end.
0: It's just it's just a bowl of watery oatmeal by the time we're done, guys.
2: <laughs> it's the same thing that Matt does to my junk. Holy. <laughs>
0: oh, oh, we're doing
1: gross. Yeah. Corey, what do you do in the safe stuff? Uh,
2: well, obviously, I am still doing uh, on occasion the one mad podcast for one person, uh, which is if your name is Levi Krause. Yeah, I do a podcast for you. If it's not, maybe we'll I'll get to you sometime. Who knows? And then uh, I'm still on the Slasher app at Captain Temerity. I've, there's some uh, very good people on there. And that is the one social media place I've found that doesn't seem to roll into the rest of this bullshit. So nice. I can't advise you enough that if you want to be online and talk to people about something that's not the same old crap, but it's mostly about horror movies, go on Slasher app.
1: Hmm, nice. All right. Um, <laughs> Instagram, Matt the lifeguard. Fuck it. That's gonna, do it. <laughs> that's, it. that's gonna do it for another episode of the podcast here. We'll uh talk to you guys next time. Oh, wait, Corey, next <laughs> what? week. What? Ooh. Um the the remake of Grudge with uh, Mason.
2: Yes. Mason was in the remake of Grudge, yep. and that's where we're watching the remake of Grudge. Yep. Wait, no, that's not white quite right, but no still. one's gonna remember next week or tomorrow. No. <laughs> don't. You don't remember it now.
1: <clears throat> I almost remembered it. So yeah. For you, yeah. Don't talk to you guys next time.
2: Stay scary, everybody.